0: What's up everybody, welcome back to another episode of Write Who You Know, I'm Matt Housefetter, and this is the screenwriting podcast that's the behind the scenes of the behind the scenes. Today is Monday, May 8th, which means we as a uh, guild and the Writers Guild of America have been striking for a week. week. Uh, The guild uh, called to strike 12.01 a.m. last week uh, on Tuesday, May 2nd, uh, which is actually, it was Monday, May 1st, it went into effect Uh, Tuesday, May 2nd, and since we last spoke, uh, the town uh, has been picketing outside all of the studios, Paramount, Netflix, Amazon, CBS Radford, Warner Brothers, you name it, the writers are out there in solidarity with amazing signs, they've got snacks, they've got umbrellas in case it's raining, Uh, and we've got the uh, the backing of the Teamsters and IATSE and the DGA and SAG. It seems like the entire town is behind us. Uh, And it's really exciting. Uh, Obviously, it's really fucking scary. Uh, It was just announced on deadline that the studio sent out a letter basically saying to people uh, that, A, if you're a showrunner and you have producerial work to do, you need to be doing it. Um, And the showrunners responded by saying, uh, there's nothing about our jobs that don't pertain to writing, so fuck off. Uh, And then on top of that, the studio has also shot a letter to everyone that has an overall deal that currently doesn't have a show in production saying your deal is suspended. Uh, everyone except Netflix. Netflix has yes to, has yet to, uh, fire that bullet. Um, but, uh, on the upside, I've been having a lot of fun. I mean, like I know strikes aren't supposed to be fun, but it's been really nice catching up with colleagues and friends on the picket lines. Uh, it's a, it's a really fun atmosphere. Like I said, it feels collegial, Uh, It's almost like AYSO practice in a way. They've got fruit slices. They've got Capri Suns. We've got waters. There's a real coach team atmosphere. Uh, And the town is alive. You can feel it. Uh, It's vibrating. And like I said, everyone is behind us. Um, The whole country, it feels like, is behind the Writers Guild of America. And it's insane uh, that these guys like Ted Sarandos and David Zaslav... And uh, everyone at Amazon and everyone at every studio, I'm not going to go name by name, uh, is making hundreds of millions of dollars. Of these CEOs and these, these, these executives in the C-suites, while the writers are asking for 2% of their gains. It feels uh, ludicrous. Um, we're hearing that, you know, uh, studios kind of want this um, because after, I believe, what is it? either 30 or 60 or 90 days in the contracts they can trigger what's called force majeure which means uh they can cancel or terminate any deal they want based on a force majeure which is sort of like a outside of like a godlike circumstance like a strike or there's a natural disaster or a plane crashes into the studio where you happen to be shooting a movie uh though actually the plane crashes probably you'd probably be uh you probably good uh, but uh, outside of that, it basically says that if there is a natural disaster, that you also have them in wedding contracts, basically said if like there is a wedding, con, if there is a thunderstorm or a rainstorm, um, you know, we have the right to uh, terminate at the last minute and, and not owe any money. And so that's what the studios are saying now with these big writer producer overall deals. Um, some of which are hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, there's a certain level of writer out there. I talk about them all the time. The Shonda's, the Mike Shores, the, the, the Quinta Brunson's, the um, Ryan Murphy's, etc. The Kenya Barris's. And they are making hundreds of millions of dollars. And the studios, if they're not producing content for them, i.e. If I'm Netflix and I'm looking at a balance sheet and uh, I've got a hundreds of millions of dollars uh, deal with Kenya Barris, no shade to Kenya, I love him and I love a lot of the stuff he does. but is it worth it to continue paying him hundreds of millions of dollars when his most beloved uh, product is ABC Studios and not not owned by Netflix? Uh, I'm talking about blackish he made black AF he made uh, you people. Uh, is it worth the hundreds of millions he's probably getting? Uh, I don't know. But the studios are probably thinking like that. Uh, and you're going, Matt, what the fuck do you know? The truth is uh, I have read up about about th- this topic as well as just like studio politics and the behind the scenes of deal making and all of these studio biographies that I've devoured over the years. Uh, my nickname in writer's rooms has been Studio Guy. I worked at Paramount for two and a half years, not uh, running the place, but obviously I feel like I learned enough there uh, that I have a pretty good view of what the fuck is going on in this industry, uh, and I think that's incredibly important uh, because most writers don't, and no shade to those writers, but like, I'm here, to, I'm here to help break it down and explain it to you if you don't get it, and if you do, like, fucking great. I had someone, I had Ted Sullivan on this podcast. He schooled my ass. He's the one who put me on to the force majeure of it all. Uh, anywho... Today on the podcast, I have one of my best pals, Nikki Schwartz, She's an incredible writer. She is so funny. Uh, so I feel thrilled that she's here. She has written on shows like the Goldbergs, Grinder, The Office. She has had an overall deal. She worked on The Hard Times of R.J. Berger. She has continued to develop and sell shows over the years at a rat-a-tat machine gun fire rapid fire pace. Having said that like everybody else in this business, I think she's uh, experiencing that some of the good fortune uh, and the monies that was up for the taking in earlier years is not at the moment, and that the tides have sort of turned, and like me and like a lot of other writers I know, she's experiencing uh, a difficult moment in this transitional period of Hollywood. Um, But luckily we can joke about it, because if you can't laugh, you cry, and I think it's much better to laugh than it is to shed tears about something as silly uh, as Hollywood. It is our livelihood. It is our career. But at the end of the day, um, nobody's dying on an operating table. We're talking about making fart jokes in a room. Uh, So without further ado, one of the funniest writers I know, one of the smartest writers I know, someone who's been like a godmother to me, who has sort of helped me through the staffing process year after year after year, my friend, awesome screenwriter, Nikki schwartz right? Pass. Nope. We love Matt. It's just a really hard time right now. The industry's contracting. Come back to us and get some bigger attachments. Tell them right what you know. No, tell them right who you know. I'm trying to make you look good. Yeah. I don't invite you to, to my house to yeah. make a fucking mockery of you. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: I would never do a live podcast. That's way too dangerous.
0: Especially if there was um drinks. I don't get high before this either because like I'll become a fucking idiot. Yeah. And the one time I did, I I, I brought Sean Disson over here. It didn't record any of his audio, just mine. (laughs) No, no, oh my god! And I was so embarrassed because he's like on comedy bang bang and does podcasts all the time. I love Sean. I know, I know, but I, I I texted him. I was like, "So, Sean, uh, oh my god, the podcast for whatever reason only recorded me." And this was, I this was in a previous setup. I know, like I can literally see that your shit is working. But I felt so bad because you fucking drive. Did he drive think it like was a- funny? Yeah, he was totally fine. He's like, dude, it's fine. Like, don't even worry about it. Well, I had a blast. We'll do it again. And I was like. Yeah.
1: Oh. Such a nice
0: guy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs>
1: but has he been back?
0: No. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. Um,
1: oh, God, Matt.
0: To, the today, By the way, the day we're, we're recording this, this is Taste Thursday, right? Yeah. Uh, and potentially, maybe all out of work on Monday.
1: Yeah, it's seeming more and more that way.
0: Come, come a little closer to the mic.
1: Yesterday, you were saying the clouds had good energy. I
0: feel well. Like, here's what I feel about the strike. I feel like if there were usually the like AMPTP, they are like launching articles and like it's like very combative in the trades. And while there's like dumb stuff like those writers are taping signs to wood tonight yeah. in West Hollywood. Yeah, all of it is clickbait, and so I. The
1: writers were taping Suns. Yeah, no, they
0: totally were. (laughs) They totally were. But, like, Deadline loves a strike because people, like, you know, they're clicking in the comments. My favorite thing to do truly... Is what people do at the end of an end of work day. Maybe have a glass of wine. I get high and read the comments. Oh my
1: god, I read the comments too. (laughs) They are like (laughs) they're so insane.
0: Ninety percent of the people commenting deadline like are not in the industry. No, no. And I love that, like uh, even on an article that isn't WGA based. Like when someone like sells something or gets promoted, you know, someone will say something nice, and then the commenter be like, "Thanks, mom." Like nobody can be genuine. No, no,
1: everyone's an asshole. Yeah,
0: uh, which I love.
1: Yeah, it's fun.
0: So, uh, what are you hearing in the trade winds these days? Like, what just, in the people you talk to, are we striking, are we not?
1: Everyone I talk to says we're striking.
0: I feel like, how could we not? But I'm just trying to be naive and say, like, you feel good. Cause... I would
1: be so happy if we didn't. But I just feel like the fact that we're dealing with corporations doesn't fill me with a lot of hope. Because yeah. they're corporations. They don't give a fuck. That's they're true. not There's no humanity there. No. So it kind of you know, with I think they have us over a barrel a little bit in that sense.
0: I agree and what's funny actually is I remember in 2017 when we when that was like the last actual strike scare, yeah. I the night that we did not strike and it was solved, we went to dinner, you took us to Mastros for Mikey's birthday.
1: Oh my god, that, that was, was the day? Yes,
0: that was the night when we were like we're not striking. Oh Oyster my god. Towers. Back everybody. when I was rich and <laughs> I paid for that whole dinner. <laughs> <laughs> man i miss I miss being employed and me having too. money and it's, it's
1: it's a lot better than the alternative,
0: yeah, do you get residues in the mail? yeah, is that the best thing ever
1: It's the greatest thing ever, and that is like one of that that to me is like the probably the number one thing that we need solved like
0: streaming you know, residuals
1: yes, it's crazy I mean there were years i mean is should i i don't know if this is like disgusting to say or whatever no, you can but say. like I just realized I, like, never log on to, like, the WGA website or whatever. Like, I just never knew how to do it. And I finally did it for some reason. And I saw they have on your residuals page, like, you can see year by year, like, how many residuals, like, how much you made in residuals. Yeah. Residuals, I never even knew how much residuals were. In my entire span of my career, I have made dollars in residuals in 10 years.
0: That's amazing.
1: So, like, when writers say that residuals literally pad their existence, it's very true. Like, it's, like, the same as salary. Like, residuals are so important. And to not get them in streaming is just fucking bullshit.
0: I completely agree. Uh, There's so many offshoots of things I want to say about that, especially just, like, about your network career and we'll get there and all that. But the best way that I can explain this to people, that, like, when my mom asks, so... Created a show. It's going to be on Amazon until I'm in a fucking box. They gave Teddy and Aaron and I one check, one time, forever.
1: That is disgusting. Forever. That's crazy. That's crazy. I know. And, I mean, not to be a real negative about it, but at any moment in some conglomerate merger, they could just take it off and, like they did with Wrecked, and you just never get to see the show ever again. Like
0: Oh, I forget. That was a, that was a TBS was thing, right? was on TBS.
1: It then got moved to HBO Max. Then when the Warner thing, you know, I, I can't. David
0: Zaslav. took He took it off the service. Now for tax right is now. gone.
1: And that's, like, so sad. Like, we can't show our daughter, like, three seasons of this hilarious show that Will was on. It, it's like, what the fuck?
0: Yeah, they're taking stuff off um, platforms, I find, to be... And that's because of residuals. And terrible.
1: It's because of they don't want to pay the residuals. So was Will
0: getting residuals from that when it was on there?
1: He wasn't because that one for at least the actors, I don't know how it works with the writers, but for him because it was TBS and it was cable, they they did something kind of similar where they like paid them more up front and then like very few residuals.
0: So they, yeah, this is why I feel like Unless we really come to some agreement where like A, you should be back paying us. All the people that have had stuff on streaming, you should be back yeah. paying us. Yeah. Like the unemployment department, by the way, I was at war with the unemployment division of California yeah. because through my ass corporation, I pay into unemployment. When I pay myself payroll tax, you know, sure. there's like there's, like, there's like yeah, there's like twelve grand in an account. I applied for unemployment because I couldn't get a job in February. And they were like no, you are the uh, CEO of Mazzle Tov cocktail and you, you know, there's other shareholders <laughs> and I, 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 they, I fought it. I had to do like an appeal, which means you do a phone call with a judge. And you plead your case to a judge about your oh unemployment, and I won.
1: Amazing. So,
0: so, I just got news yesterday that like our de- decision has been reversed. You deserve. Hell yeah, your and I was what like, is oh, really? It's like
1: five hundred a week or something, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like that's twelve not grand. Nothing. I'll take it. Yeah.
0: Yes, and like right grand. now, I'm just like, please give me fucking anything. I want to do it. But yeah, this is what sucks about being a writer is that like I got into this because I looked up to people like yourself who were working. And like doing well. And then I feel like I got into the party and the keg tapped. Yeah. And it's like the cops are coming and it's to totally
1: it's it I will say it's starting to feel that way a little bit. Like it's 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 weird.
0: I naively thought, like, oh yeah, like the, people are always gonna need content.
1: I know, and that's what's so weird is that there's so much more content now. But why are there so f- fewer jobs? It it just feels
0: That's what my dad always says. He's like, you telling me on the 560 shows from AMC to A&E, you can't get an interview? He's like, who do I need to call UTA? I'm like, shut up, Dad.
1: <laughs> I'll t- if Jerry wants to call someone on my behalf, I'll take it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's the same thing. He used to do the same thing with my principals. And when I was getting bullied by my boss at Paramount, mm-hmm. my dad was like, do I need to call Adam Goodman and tell him what your boss is doing? Oh, my God. Like, please,
1: please don't. <laughs> That's going to make it so much worse, <laughs> yeah, Dad. <please> don't. <laughs>
0: Please don't. Um, all right, Nikki, take okay. me back. Okay. Where'd you go to college? I went to NYU. Uh-huh.
1: Um, I went to Tisch uh, Film School.
0: So you knew, did you always, like when did you know you want to be a writer? Or maybe you didn't.
1: No, not for a while. I mean, I knew I wanted to like do something in like the movies or, or in TV in the movies, but I didn't really know what. So I went to film school to kind of figure it out. And most of the time that I was there, I kind of like was more into producing. I had a boyfriend the whole run there that was a director, and I would produce his stuff. Like like... uh, you
0: guys were like uh, Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig. I
1: mean, I that's (laughs) I I wish. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I just uh, I wasn't really writing at all, and then. after college, I got a job uh, at this production company in Brooklyn, and I started as like a PA, and then I ended up as a producer there, and we made commercials and music videos and stuff. Um, I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it was cool. One of the so it was owned by three people, and one of the three partners was Warren Fisher from Fisher Spooner. So like we made all the Fisher Spooner videos. Um we made an LCD sound system video. Cool. I was the coordinator on it. Um I did a bravery video. Um and it was fun and it was cool, but like ultimately I was like being a producer sucks. Like on the, for me, like it wasn't creative.
0: Yeah.
1: It was like, you know, I was At least on
0: the, yeah, I feel like on music videos it's not I'm
1: in charge of like getting the cameras and like it just wasn't that creatively satisfying yeah. but it fucking paid so much money i mean back in the day this was, was like 2003 yeah probably commercials... right after
0: college you were like i'm rich." oh my god forever. i was
1: making like seventy thousand dollars a year i had a per diem i took a car to the i took a car to brooklyn because i lived on the lower east side like almost every day um it was like sick you know so anyway so i kind of was like unhappy and i i just start i started writing this script um I don't know, just for shits and giggles. Did you like?
0: Did you have any idea, by the way, of like structure or how to write? You just like fucking went for it.
1: I mean, I knew like I knew enough from college, and I would read scripts, okay, kind of scripts okay. and stuff, you know. So I knew, yeah, you knew it was up. Um, but so I wrote this script called, and this was before two other projects. This was in two thousand three, so I was the first one. It was called Friends with Benefits, okay, and but it was about Harvard Westlake. And it was basically about how um, it was like the the friends with benefits was like how I at least felt like kids would be friends with other kids because like his dad could get us Laker tickets and his dad could get us, you know, into the Super Bowl or part, you know, whatever. Um, and it was kind of like gross and like climbery mm-hmm. in that way. Um, and so I, I wrote that and uh, and. That ended up being something – so anyway, so I I left. I was unemployed. A friend of mine from NYU was an assistant at NBC at the time, and she was like, this showrunner is coming to New York from L.A. She wrote Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. She needs an assistant. She's doing a show with Candace Bushnell from Sex and the City. And I was like, sick, like set me up with her. It was a huge – it was like maybe a third of what I was making doing the commercials, but I was like, whatever, so I, I went and met her at a hotel, and I remember I was one of the most, probably the most hungover of my career. Like, <laughs> it was. I barfed, like, on the way there. And then we just hit it off. Uh, her name is Robin Schiff. We hit it off. She hired me on the spot.
0: That's and incredible. Were I, you feeling, uh, like, on cloud nine after that? Yeah,
1: it was amazing. And it was such a fun experience because it was her and Candace and me and Candice's 25-year-old assistant. And the four of us. And they were writing this show called Lipstick Jungle.
0: Oh, yeah. And, like,
1: Candace is, like, everything you yeah. expect her to be. You know what I mean? Like, it was, like, martini lunches and going to Dolce fittings. And, like, you know, and Robin f- was very cool with me and, like, you know, took me to every meeting. And she read that script. And she loved it. And so after she read that, she was just very much more, like, became my mentor and, like, Took me into casting, flew me out to the chateau. We went out to LA and because Candace wanted to do the rewrite at the chateau. And so I went back out to LA and was like in there with them. There was like definitely a lot of illicit substances going on. I'm sure. Like it was
0: fucking fun. Just rewriting at the shack. Yeah,
1: it was great. <laughs> it was really fun. Um, but then, like a week before we were starting to shoot, Robin got fired off the project and it was so sad and she went back home and then there was this really weird like week where i just kept showing up to the studio like kind of like no one's fired me <laughs> yeah. like even though i was the showrunner's yeah. assistant and then the whole show got pulled um and then i think got redeveloped a couple years later and got made into a show that actually was on tv but... okay
0: yeah that was my question so the version that with like lucy lou was yes, not the yes yes exactly got it
1: um but at that point robin moved back to la and she basically was the one to convince me to move back to la she was like if you want to be a writer like what the fuck are you doing um so i i did and i did not want to leave new york at all i loved new york city and i that I would live there forever, um, but but I did, and it was it was so bad, Matt, when I first came back. Like, I, I, Were you, I did you move back in with yeah, your parents? Yeah, I was living in my high school bedroom in Encino. Had it been
0: touched, or like, did your parents turn into a gym uh,
1: or like it was, a gun
0: rack? Knowing it, your family, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a it, gun room. It was
1: like both. Like, it was still like my bed and stuff, but then there was also like a desk in there that my dad had been using, uh-huh. and like. Whatever, and it was just the only job I could get was an assistant at a talent agency at this little talent agency called Broder that eventually merged with ICM. ICM. Yeah, and like, oh, it was. I still shiver when I think of it. Like, I didn't even. I didn't have the right like corporate attire or whatever, and like, I wasn't gonna. I had no money, and I wasn't gonna buy that shit. So he literally, like, was wearing my mom's old, like, Ann Taylor work clothes from the 90s.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Ann Taylor laughed, 9 o'clock.
1: <laughs> like, a silk blouse. <laughs> and, like, it was so, I mean, I think this was, like, the most oppressive ever been in my life. And, like, just drinking a bottle of wine at night on my parents, like, couch and, like, spilling and, like, flipping the cushions and going to work hungover. And, like, I just hated it. Like, I didn't want to be there. Like, How long were you there? I think I was there, like, a little under a year. Oh, my God. I got put on a desk. Oh I was boy. on this guy, Chris Von, Des- Von Getz's desk. And I remember he called me into his office one day. He was a really nice guy. And he was like, yeah, so um, you're on Suicide Watch. Like, what is going on with you? <laughs> you are, just, like, I, I I was, like, I wasn't even trying. I wasn't even putting up a front at that point. Like, I was just, like. Fucking hated it. And I think I was about to get fired. Or maybe I did get fired. I'm not sure. But Robin called me. Like, it was that day. I mean, it was like that week. And she was like, I'm on this show, 10 Things I Hate About You. Come work on the show.
0: Oh, my God. That's like a gift from writing God. gift from God.
1: Gift from God. Um, And I had thought I was going to be a staff writer. But there was some kerfluffle. And so I ended up having to be the script coordinator. But That's
0: also a very, like, hard job, I find. Oh, not my God. Not for you and I. The not We're not very detail-oriented. Not
1: detail-oriented <laughs> at all. I was completely stressed out at all points. Like, there was going to be some prop that I missed that they were going to need on set <laughs> or something. Like, it is so, like, probably the worst possible job Yeah, and you have to be on
0: call at all time in case a draft comes in. Like, how did you do
1: it I don't know. You- I honestly don't know how I did it. And I also was in the writer's room the whole time because they knew i wanted to be a writer and they gave me a script and that was awesome and then after i wrote the script they loved it and they couldn't pay me like they couldn't figure out a way to get me promoted to be a staff writer but what they were able to do was they hired someone else to take over as a script coordinator and i just got to continue being in the writers room as a writer but still being paid as like a script coordinator but i was like didn't care. It yeah, i'll take it. Yeah um did
0: they bring you lunch did you get was someone were you when they gave you this elevation even yeah. if it was just in theory did you get to have lunch so, oh my god oh yeah
1: but <laughs> i did even when i was a script coordinator because even the oh, writers, right right right, right that's like, true everyone that's true. in that room that's yeah. true yeah um but yeah so
0: so you're on 10 things i hate about you now was this for mtv who was the this
1: was for abc family okay yeah Um, and it it was season two and then it got canceled. Okay. Um, which was a bummer. Uh, then I immediately got hired on the show, the hard times of RJ Berger about the kid with the big dick.
0: Yeah. So this is where I, your career starts for me, at least in my head. Tell me about RJ Berger. Was this your first staff job? Like officially as a writer? Yeah. Who was like, how did you get your, did you have an agent at the time or a manager?
1: I had a manager, uh, yeah, I had a, just a manager, no agent. I was Jason Weiners' assistant. Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> for a long time. <laughs>
0: he was a nice boss. Yes.
1: Yes, I love him. He's a mensch. We're still like okay, very good. dear friends. Um, and uh, I worked for him for like a year. We did. I did the pilot of Modern Family with him. Then that's about awesome. halfway through season one of Modern Family, um, that's when Robin called me about ten things, and I said, Jason, like this is. Like, I'm never going to be a writer on this show for a number of reasons. Um, And he was like, You should a thousand percent go do that. And so I left working for Jason on Mountain Family to attend things. That's what
0: happened. Got it. Okay. Okay. Sorry. But so, RJ Berger, what I want to know oh, is like, when you, when you cut you... all that out, no, it's fine. <laughs> so boring. No, it's fine. <laughs> I want to know about like the first time you get the phone call, like, you're officially a writer now. Do you remember oh, that?
1: I, I just remember. I remember taking the meeting and.
0: Um, yeah. Tell us about your showrunner. Who's the showrunner? It
1: was David Katzenberg and Seth Graham Smith. All right. And I knew David barely because he was two years younger than me at Harvard Westlake. Um, and uh, we just like had a really good meeting. They, I can't even remember what script I had that they read that they liked and they hired me. Um, and it was, you know, it it was a short job. I think it was 12 weeks or something at, um, over at MTV on the West side, but it was really fun. It was another second season show.
0: That's awesome. then
1: got canceled. I was like, is it me? (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, but it was really fun. I worked with this other writer, Liz Tippett, who I love, um, who is the best and, uh, I love those guys, and I love David. He's the best.
0: I sat behind him at a funeral recently. Oh, no. Yeah. No, funeral. This funeral. This guy named, this guy, an old friend of mine named Jeff. Um, okay. But, you know, it's, it's, like, sort of impolite to network at a funeral, even yeah. though I got my first manager from networking at a funeral.
1: I was just at a funeral, and I got two cards at, like, the shiva. I was <laughs> like, someone made fun of me about it. I was like, I don't, I don't know what to do.
0: Uh, my friend, Aaron, his mother-in-law, unfortunately passed. And she was big to do at CBS business affairs. And I went to the funeral and there was like all of CBS, like David staff spoke. Oh my God. Nina Tassler was there. Wow. Uh, our executive on this old project was there. It was like a who's who of <laughs> CBS. Um,
1: so, did, were you like getting emails? Uh, yeah, like, I'm shameless. I have a multicam. Yeah, I was like, guys,
0: <laughs> here's what I'm thinking. Okay. So my mom, right. <laughs> um, Okay, so r j. Berger, mm, mm-hmm. then where do we go from here?
1: Then, okay, so this is when I what I remember. After this, I wrote a new pilot called Tripping Balls. My husband will, at the time, was growing mushrooms in our ha- in our apartment so that he could. Take them with him to Burning Man as something to barter.
0: This is when I met this is around the time when I met you in real life.
1: (laughs) And it was, I was making so much fun of him. I was just like, this is so fucking stupid. You can't do this. He had like these huge tubs. He went to Home Depot. It was like these spores he was injecting with his buddy Tony. It was like the whole back room of our apartment was just like fungus Fungus (laughs) everywhere. And then lo and behold, you know, six weeks later, we had like I don't know, three pounds of mushrooms. There were so many mushrooms. Like, it was crazy. For years, I was finding, like, mushrooms in in tin foil in my freezer. Like, everywhere. But so I wrote this pilot kind of based off that about these two guys who were best friends and had been weed dealers. And weed became legal in California. And they decided to start growing and selling shrooms instead and um and it got sent my manager sent it because i did i I was at uh paradigm and my manager. i I kind of wanted to go elsewhere and my manager sent it around and uta and wme were both interested so it got me my agent Teresa king at wme
0: shouts tk
1: love tk miss her lover um and So then that year was my first ever, like, network staffing. That was the first time I, like, was being sent out, really, for real. And um, I had a meeting with Greg Daniels because he had a pilot called Friday Night Dinner. That was, like, uh, a British format show that he was doing. And so I met him on that, and it went really good. And Teresa called me and was like, he made an offer. Uh, it, he, So here's what he said. He said he wants you on the show, but if for whatever reason the show doesn't get picked up, he's going to put you on The Office. And I was, like, pretty terrified because I didn't watch The Office. Um, And also, but, but, and I told her that, and she was like, dude, it's all good. It's NBC. It's Greg Daniels. The show's getting fucking picked up. And then it didn't. And then she called me, and she was like, you start on The Office in a week. Um, And Greg specifically says he wants you to have seen every episode. And I was like, oh, my God, shitting my fucking pants. And I (laughs) like, for eight days straight, I watched The Office. I think I watched eight hours a day for eight days straight. And, like, at first, Will was like, this is amazing. You're basically watching TV as your job. But he would leave in the morning, and I'd be on the couch. And, like, he'd have a life and a day, and then he'd, like, come back. And I would still be there and – he was like, this is actually, like, dark and weird. But I, I got through all, I don't know, it was like almost 200 episodes.
0: That's insane. Good for you.
1: I couldn't, like, it all meshed. and like, But, like, I was so terrified of, like, pitching something that had already been done or something. Um. So, yeah, I watched them all.
0: What was your first day of work like on The Office?
1: I don't uh, actually remember my first day. But I will tell you, honestly, that I was. That was an extremely for me an extremely stressful job like I felt so uh, I don't know like i i it, it there's a lot of Harvard people there, everyone was really nice, but I just felt very like not good enough like imposter syndrome vibes yeah. and was just like. I just felt so almost like sick to my stomach the whole time. Like it was intense. What uh, season was I, this, I like by the way? forced myself to talk?
0: Was this the last season this of the was office? This is the
1: last season of The Office. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Um, so it was intense for me. Like, I, I don't feel like I, you know, probably shined. Like I I was so. Freaked out the whole time, to be honest.
0: Well, yeah, like, I'm sure it's like an incredibly intimidating room. Is like, are, is everyone in that? Do like, do, like someone like B.J. Novak, who is a writer and an actor, is so he coming out of the room? Like, him is
1: it- and Mindy were gone by the final season, right? But like Paul, who played Toby, yeah. was in the room and even ran it for a little while. Uh, Greg, I mean, came back to run the final season. Um, And then just all the other writers were just so smart, and a lot of them had been there for, like, years, you know? Um, And so I kind of just felt like, who the fuck am I? Like, Greg loved me for whatever reason, and I felt like everyone else was like, why?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's, like, uh, most of the jobs we have. I mean, like, obviously you gel with a group of people, but, like, yeah, I, like... Imagine working on a show like that or even Big Mouth with Big Mouth, which some of my friends were going where it's like, you're sitting in a room with Nick Kroll and John Mullaney and Manzucas, all these guys that have been friends with each other for fucking 30 years, yeah. and you're supposed to like
1: get in there. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It was really intense. It was a great learning experience.
0: Were you there all night?
1: Oh my God. Yeah. It, that was also like, that was the first time I'd had hours like that where we, we would stay till four in the morning. Um, and, I'm just not someone. Even when I was young, you know, this was ten years ago. Like my brain doesn't really. I'm not a night thinker. Yeah. I'm a morning thinker. You know, yeah. when it gets dusk, I'm a drink whiner. Yeah. Like I don't have good thought. Like I just. That, so that was hard for me. Um, and yeah, but I got two episodes.
0: That's insane. And my
1: second episode turned into an hour, so it was technically three, which. And that's how we got those residual checks in the mail.
0: Are they from mostly the from the office?
1: The office is big, and then the Goldbergs is big. Oh
0: right, yeah, I forgot about that.
1: Yeah, because actually, I lucked out with the Goldbergs because one of the characters that I wrote that was in my episode you created, yeah, became a regular.
0: That's the dream because yeah. you get a payment every time he's yeah. on, he or yeah. she's on screen. That's
1: great. And I see him. He lives in my neighborhood and I'm always like, "Thanks, man. <laughs> Thank you <laughs> for being new good." car. New car yeah. what do you
0: think? <laughs> All right, um, so the office ends. You're like, oh, "Okay, this is intense as fuck, but you could probably write your own ticket after this like, "Did
1: it, Yeah, after that, I I uh yeah, I you know met on a bunch of shows i remember i had a few offers that year and i went on to the goldbergs um and stayed at the goldbergs for two years um and was dan levy on that no he came in a later season
0: okay was andy secunda on that yes, season? Is that where you guys of met of
1: course i met andy on season one love andy
0: so this is this is the point in in the story of your life where i start to be like can i come over to your house and go through the staffing packet every year (laughs) (laughs) which i'm sure you remember like i've been to every single one of your domiciles and can describe them uh and i say this because you were incredibly nice to me as a young boy who had like no clue what i was doing and i remember i interviewed with one of your friends who had a show on fox it was about like a couple that the wife catches a husband cheating and you recommended me was her name sally maybe or
1: Sally Bradford? Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah.
0: When okay. she nearly had a show and you were just incredibly nice to me. I uh, love Sally. Yeah. So, and the point that I bring this up is, like, everyone should be so lucky to have someone like you as a, you know, oh beginning writer. Because truly, Thank you. I would see you and Andy and, you know, Bass alone and Dan. And I don't even know Bass alone. And I have only recently met Dan. But, yeah. like, your group of friends and also Lauren Kahn. You just always seem like you guys had it figured out. And so, truly, I know you look at it, you look at yourself and like, I felt like I'm positive I have yeah. no fucking clue. I looked up to you guys and was like, wow, like there's a career to be had in television. Like, oh, look, that's I'll so
1: nice. And there isn't.
0: I know. That's what, <laughs> so that's what, that's what, like,
1: I'm so sorry. As we
0: sit here on the eve of uh, potential yeah. strike.
1: Yeah. I will say that mm-hmm. when I got to the Goldbergs, it's also, you know, every single room. Is a completely different vibe, right? And it's just like anything—you gel or whatever—and like I fucking gelled there. Like those I, those people.
0: Was Stacey Harmon there? Is that where you Stacey met?
1: Herman, uh, Stacey Harmon. Stacy and I were friends.
0: Oh. She went to college with
1: Will, and like we were friends. She was at my wedding, like, but I had been on my honeymoon, like, right up until the day before the room on the Goldberg started. So I hadn't talked to her. And she, like, got hired three days before. So she didn't know. We didn't know. And on day one, I was like, Stacy! (laughs) It was, like, the greatest gift ever. (laughs) Like, I got staffed with one of my close friends, and we had no idea. Like, we immediately, like, decided to share an office. It was so fucking fun. Um, People started calling us Sticky (laughs) because Stacy and Nikki. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, we were like attached at the hip and, but I loved all those writers.
0: And after this, do we go to the grinder? Yeah.
1: I said, so then the grinder and, and think, by the way,
0: in between these shows, Nikki, are you developing your own material? Like when did you start pitching you know, network comedy?
1: Yeah. So not until I got my overall deal, which was, I think in 2016, after I did the grinder. So I did a season on the grinder. The grinder got canceled. Then I got an overall deal how? at 20th. How
0: does that work? For people out there, how does one procure one of these deals? Which, by the way, if you're listening and you're out there, it basically means you get paid by the studio to either be on their shows or develop material for them. And you're basically like on retainer to create. You know, yeah. And they have the first right uh, of exclusivity, sometimes the first right of refusal of any of your new ideas.
1: Yes. And it's like for two years, you know you're going to be paid. Yeah. That's the best part, of, the yeah. the security. Yes. How did I get it? Uh, Teresa set me on a couple of generals, and then she set me on a meeting with Johnny Davis. And she was like, "Go on, and have this meeting with Johnny Davis, and like be yourself. And if you are, you'll get the deal." And I was, and I did. Amazing. Yeah, it was great. I that was fun. I remember I had a big celebration. Okay,
0: so yeah, night. when you got the phone call, yeah, of like you get this. I was this.
1: fucking floored. Like I that was like insane. That was an exciting and very happy moment um and so that's when i started developing got it um
0: and did you did what the, the thing you developed that year did you end up setting up uh
1: i yeah yeah i sold i mean i sold them all i sold all my development
0: oh yeah you did. but i didn't
1: get it didn't make it to pilot yeah
0: that's, yeah that's okay yeah as long as you that's what i always say i'm like yeah i hope it gets produced sure i hope i get a fucking series order but like truthfully the way that i would look at development is all these places are buying, like, 30 ideas. Each, you know, the big four. They're all each buying around 20, 30 ideas. They'll fucking order to pilot, like, seven of them. And I mean, then they those, used to, Matt. This year, this ABC what, made too. I know, dude. I know. It's I know. very upsetting. <laughs> I know. There's no way to, and, and, and uh, there's not a lot of way to, like, make money anymore. Like, unless you are one of a hundred fucking people, like Mike Shore or yeah. Shonda Rhimes or whoever the fuck.
1: Listen, I have been looking into hard money lending. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Like
0: a, like with a loan shark?
1: Uh, My uncle does this.
0: So does a family friend.
1: And I'm into it. Like, it's a little seedy, mm-hmm. which I like. Yep. I want to get a partner, kind of like a knee-breaker guy, you know? <laughs> I, I mean, know I what? could do that. But, but... so
0: you want to be the, the bank? Yeah. Okay.
1: You basically just need an initial investment you know you could start with $40,000 basically that's what my uncle started with okay and it's like a compound interest kind of thing where if you just take the money and put it back into the pot he now has 65 loans out right i mean what the fuck else do i know how to do okay
0: so 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 anyway
1: sorry i mean this isn't real but Welcome like to it kind talking of talking loans it kind of is <laughs> no, real
0: it's uh, first of all i think there's a pilot in there
1: yeah no i think so too yeah hard money we
0: could sell... Oh, that's a great name. Yeah. We could sell that on the phone.
1: I, I think so. I'm going to, I think I'm going to try and get like, you know, someone attached.
0: Who are we thinking? The industry folks? Maybe McKay? Can we get Lauren Kahn?
1: Yeah, let's get it me all... Lauren. Let's I get, call... Call... get yeah. to my fake assistant out in the hall. <laughs> I need one of those. Yeah. You know those articles that say people have fake assistants are like 30% more successful people, just the way that people think, oh, you have an assistant? <laughs>
0: that's so fucking funny. <laughs> I enjoy being my own assistant, frankly. I just, like, it's very easy for me to, uh, you know, set Zoom meetings and respond with the time I can meet you. (laughs) at. I I enjoy it. All right, so after the overall. Okay,
1: yes, the overall.
0: And by the way, I'm only taking you chronologically just because I think you've done so much shit, you know. We can bounce around, but, like, after the overall, after the grinder, where where did you go? Then
1: I went to Speechless.
0: Oh, yeah, fucking Speechless. I forgot about that.
1: So, yeah.
0: You've had so many jobs. Yeah. How are you not employed right now?
1: I don't know. It's difficult. I will say this. Um I I noticed recently I'm not a very astute person. Uh but and I hate to anytime I'm not I'm experiencing I'm not getting jobs. I hate to literally put it on anything other than myself. You yeah. know, I'm very self-hating. Yeah. Um, But I did notice the two years that I didn't staff in the past twelve years, twenty twenty, I did have a pilot, but I was pregnant. Twenty twenty two, also I was pregnant.
0: No way! Holy shit! And did I did ha- you have interviews as yes, a pregnant woman?
1: Yes. And I didn't get hired. And I'm not saying it's because I was pregnant, but it occurs. Why else to me. would it be?
0: It were they men showrunners you were meeting with? Yes. Oh, all God.
1: of them. Now I don't know if that's the reason, and you know maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But I do kind of wonder, like. And then I was, I was very interested to see, like, if I was going to get a job in 2023. But it's starting to feel like a wash.
0: Yeah, I'm with having I'm having everything. conversations with my account where I'm like, yeah, my income this year is going to fluctuate in six figures.
1: Yeah. <laughs> From
0: what like fighting with the unemployment office, I've yeah. been doing copywriting for Netflix.
1: Wow, you need to help me out with some side hustles. Sure, I need like. I want to do a side hustle. And, and
0: it's, I, I only, like, I went and, st- like, my friends that are copywriters, I, I took to dinner, and I was like, how the fuck do you do this? Like, I need money. And I just got, my show just got canceled. They did not re-up our first look deal. Like, I can't go back to Barney's. I I can't. Like, yeah. I'm not going to back to retail. And they were like, first of all, you need to start a website. And I was like, really? So I created com. Okay. And, like, I wrote a little bio, basically expounded upon what... The dumb thing my agents have, like Matt Housefeder went to Boston University, blah, 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 blah. He has developed original comedies for Bill Lawrence and Lord Miller, whatever. And you have so much more than me. So, like, I put a little blurb of shit on there. And then because I did so much of the marketing of Fairfax, because Amazon was, like, afraid that they weren't cool enough to understand hypebeast culture. Okay. And and I'm not, like, bragging. Like, Teddy Aaron and I, the three of us were just like, okay, like, whatever. We're going to do this. And um, I used those, like, as my first few examples. And then, like, I got in touch with this fucking... They're called the Creative Circle. They're like a job placement thing, and they, like, take a percentage of whatever. And that didn't yield me jack squat. Okay. One of Kelsey's wonderful friends, Ellen, was like, you should reach out to this guy, Ryan. You know, he's Heidi's husband. He does copywriting. He's been doing freelance forever. And he got on the phone with me and, like, explained... What like basically like everybody wants a cool writer. You are in demand. Like while you're not in demand in Hollywood, like all of these fucking advertising agency, they want someone who's like smart and funny and knows about pop culture and is like cool and like they need help with shit. And like what I was doing last week, I was writing jokes for Kevin Hart, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Chris Hemsworth because they're doing these Netflix ads. But the way I first got the first job was through him. Someone needed him and he was like, I can't do it. But it was for a a marijuana friendly hotel group. He's like, You know who loves pop? (laughs) And loves hotels, <laughs> and so they found me. Bong Draper got on the got, got on the Zoom, uh, oh and they hired God. me. That's and like
1: awesome. And
0: although it was just like starting, like doing basic blogging, and like it's such goofy stuff. Like need help with the concierge? Give us a buzz. Like stuff like that. Where you're Great. like writing wee puns, <laughs> or like come see how we spruced up the joint. Yeah. Um, which I love. And off of that, I've been able to just like build on shit from, k- luckily like Kelsey's friends or other ad agencies or friends of friends, and like I've got enough shit on my resume now from like Netflix and that BJ Novak company, the chain I helped out with with the Scream hamburger they made, and that was for free. But like I said to them, if I do this for you, like I'm just gonna like pitch Scream jokes, but like can I put on my resume?
1: Yeah. And if anyone
0: ever asks you,
1: uh-huh. you said yes,
0: and they were like yes. I was okay, like, well, was great. Like an hour of work, and so I've realized I can make money that way if if for some reason there's a strike or if i can't get hired genius like everybody thinks it's cool that you're a tv writer that doesn't work in tv they're like wow you wrote in television i'm like i wrote on a spanish soccer show wow and a multicam <laughs> where most of the cast has been canceled oh my god so so, so like yeah i'm a cool tv writer and sure like there's Fairfax or whatever, but I feel like people just, you know, they they want someone snippy and funny that it that does not think like them. You know, right, they, right. they think you're like some, you know, the way we package shows like they're like, we want to package this ad by saying, oh, we reached out to some Hollywood talent and they helped us.
1: Matt, you're my career coach right now. This Dude, is amazing. I, I,
0: honestly, like getting these phone calls where I got paid two grand to retitle a Netflix movie.
1: Just oh retitle it. Oh, my God. It took me an hour. Oh, my God. I made
0: what, I, it, what took me three weeks at Barney's. I made in two hours. That's
1: amazing. And
0: so that's why i have just like, what else can I do? Yeah. You know?
1: Smart. Really smart.
0: But I want to work. You know, like, and I-, I better be-
1: than my thing. I told Will the other day I might just do, like, an OnlyFans. I'll <laughs> do dude. I'll do anything that doesn't show my face. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I will soap up my tits, whatever. Like, <laughs> I don't care. Pay me.
0: You know what? uh Kelsey, I once thought about, because I read about this guy doing gay foot OnlyFans, and I was Great. like, I could do that. I have really nice arches. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll send my you know underwear to Tokyo or whatever the fuck.
0: Totally. You should have a couple I slaves. Yeah. And I, You know what I mean? I mean, sex oh, slaves. yes.
1: That sounds where, like, good. We're like,
0: you have an Amazon wish list. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and, you're and like, they buy my yes. shit. Uh-huh. That is sick. You're like,
0: I need a new whiteboard in uh, the Samsung TV. I need
1: like a playhouse for Peach. <laughs> yeah.
0: Exactly. I
1: want the framed be.
0: Yes. This is uh, we have one. This is another Getting one. This is another This is another pilot. Yeah. You being a prostitute because you can't get staff.
1: Well, not no a prostitute, no actual just like
0: sex yeah yeah yeah. A, a neck down Yes. sex worker? Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Right. Well, that's what what do we say positive sex worker sex worker? Like sex what's worker, what's I guess. Preferred? But if
1: you're not having sex, it's like what is that?
0: A, yeah, I don't know what it is. You're just a You're a, just a camfluencer. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Dude, like also right now I have an eBay side business, which is another one. Like, I was gifted a pair of shoes by a very prominent, uh, you know, friend in the biz. And they were like a friends and family edition of these very special shoes. I sold them for like $350 on eBay.
1: Oh my God. I don't, I wish, I have a bunch of old jeans that I went through, like fancy ones. Like Joe's,
0: Sevens. What are we talking? talking,
1: We're talking rag and bone, frame, mother. Sadly, um, I was like, I think I'm like ready to. You know, wear my old jeans. I've lost some weight, and boy, was I not. They, they were twenty sevens, and I couldn't even get one leg into them. It was very sad. Now I want to sell them. So what?
0: So what are you? What are you? When you are frustrated, of like I can't get work for whatever reason, like how do you take that shitty feeling of like nobody wants me? This industry sucks. There's no, there's no jobs. Cause like clearly people are working. Like I have friends that are working, but I feel like when they are your level or I've had a show, it's like impossible. Cause why would you hire me with my credits when you're looking to hire a co-EP? Why wouldn't you hire, you know, the, you or the John Quaintance or the person that's been on a fucking show, Andy Secunda, you know, the person with 300 episodes of television under their belt. Well,
1: because they're not you, man, they don't have your personality and your point of view and they're not going to make the same jokes as you and you know. I think...
0: I yeah. can't even get a meeting, though. Like, if you had meetings this year?
1: Uh, this year? No. I have not had any meetings this year. Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, last year when I was pregnant, I did develop. I sold two pilots. That's so amazing. So, I was able to... I was working. Yeah. But it still frustrated me, even though I was working, that I didn't get these jobs that i met on
0: yeah are they shows that are still on the air
1: uh one is one isn't
0: were they streaming or cable uh, or, excuse me network
1: both one one was one of one got it um and so this year i was like all right well i was excited to try and staff but it doesn't feel like that's gonna happen and i was i had sold a pilot And the person that bought it was laid off yesterday. Uh, So that seems to have gone away. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, to be honest with you, this is the first time I've really, like, found myself in this position. So when you ask me, like, how do I deal with it? I don't know. I'm fucking dealing with it right now in real time. It's scary for sure, you know. And it sucks because it's, like, I feel like I was on a really, like, good run there for a long time. And then it was, like, the second I had kids, everything went to shit in our business. Like, when I actually give a fuck about being financially stable and all that yeah. shit. So yeah, I don't, and, and and you know, it doesn't help. Like you're so lucky actually that you're married to someone who is in a different industry in a lot of ways. Cause like I'm married to an actor. No, it's I, not any better I, for Will. It's like fucking worse for Will actually. So we're both kind of like, in a weird place.
0: No, listen, the the reason why I really started this podcast cuz I was like, look, I can sit around and fucking be mad and sulk or I can just like try to write my way out of it, but also so many people that I know are also going through it. Like, let's fucking turn this misery into fun yeah. uh, and talk about it because that's what I think was so great about being in the writer's room was, like, you'd come in and be like, last m- night, my fucking bitch wife. I you know, like, know. obviously not that, yeah. but yeah. or my fucking shitty kid or or my fucking mom and my fucking dad. And you, it was like therapy. And to, I know. And to not have that. And I can't afford the $300 an hour therapy that I was.
1: Uh, that I like, refuse. I'm done with <laughs> therapy. I'm why are, done. Why are we over it? I don't fucking... I have, by the way,
0: Soma, I. I just want to know, why are you...
1: I honestly don't give enough of a fucking shit. Like, that's it. Like, yeah, I've got these problems. That's what they are. You either like it or you don't. Like, it, you know, I'm not, you know, it's, you know, I'm not murdering people or whatever, you know? Like, I, it's not that terrible. Like, yeah. could I be better at forgiving people and not holding grudges? Sure, but fucking who cares? I do, so I don't need to like talk to someone about it.
0: I don't know. I I love the way you said "I do." That was very, very. I
1: I I just I I I don't and I don't I just I don't want to focus on myself like that. I don't know. I just don't care.
0: Are your friends that are executives? Are they feeling like I'm going to be squeezed? I'm going to be laid off. Like, are they facing any challenges? Um, Do you think as well?
1: Yeah, I think everyone is. I mean, a, a lot of my friends at executive, that are executives are worried about layoffs yeah. and mergers. Others, like some of my friends who have like producers who have like overall deals are like, you know, what are they going to do d- d- during this time? Because the writers aren't, you know, they're developing, you know, X number of projects and the writers aren't allowed to even work with them. Yeah. Right. We're not even allowed to work with producers. So I, f- I think everyone's, like, feeling it. Although I will say some executives seem to be, like...
0: Can't wait to go on vacation. Is that Can't
1: r-? wait to go on vacation. Or they're saying, oh, it's kind of going to be great. Like, I'm going to catch up on a lot of work.
0: <laughs> yeah, when I hear that, I'm like, you fucking
1: suck. I know. I know. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I wish I was, like, in the position to be like, fuck it, I'm going to Montauk for the summer. I mean, I am going to Montauk, but only for a week. <laughs> I wish I could go for the whole summer. <laughs> Yeah. All
0: right. So you're. I mean, you're still gonna pound the pavement. Like you're not. You're. You're no. just like fuck I, it. I,
1: I don't have any other skills. I. I don't. I mean, yeah. I. I'll sell the underwear and stuff. But like, I don't like. I don't. I don't know what else I would do. I mean, it would get. It would have to get very dire. Yeah. But I will say that, like, you know, Will and I have gotten into like real estate a little bit. Like, I have done well with the money I've made in the past in investing and stuff. Yeah. So, that I would say like is important. I think in this business, which can have such crazy lulls, as to like try and figure that kind of stuff out. Yep. For rainy day. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm gonna write a horror movie. I guess this, you know, they can't, they can't. They can't tell us we can't write, right?
0: Yeah, that's the other thing is, like, I, you can't tell me, like, I can't network, hustle, do what I do. Like, I'm (laughs) going to continue to be me. I couldn't get a job in the first place, so, like, this work stoppage is hilarious because I couldn't get any of your work. (laughs) The only work I've gotten is in animation, which is in its own guild and is another convo for another podcast and another fucking industry-wide problem. Yeah. But. uh,
1: I feel so terrible because I feel like. This is like, I'm like the bummer episode.
0: No, there's no, this is not a bummer at all. Okay. This is not a bummer. This is the, this is, you know, I feel like I couldn't be true. We could not be true to ourselves if A, we didn't talk about like the strike and its ramifications. And when it's like trying to work this year. Yeah. Um, And it's the truth. Like the people that I've had on here, like the whole point of this is like, I'm not having Mike Shore and Bill Lawrence. I'm having the people that are real struggling and not even struggling. Like you're real working writers. Yeah. Do you think shit is going to blow up or change or, like, even if we have a strike or don't have a strike, like, is anything going to actually, like...
1: I don't know, man. I'm the worst person to ask.
0: Well, you're what? Like, asking because I'm, like, glass half full. Like, the sun is shining today and nobody has said that we're going to war yet. So, like... I don't know, like maybe there won't be a strike. And then you'll be like, no, I just talked to everyone I know, and they're (laughs) saying it's fucked.
1: It seems pretty dire. I mean, I hope that if we strike, it will – I have to imagine it would give us gains. But, you know, like in anything, with good comes bad. You know, like in the uh, 2007 strike, yes, we got a lot of good, but there's also a lot of bad. A lot of writers lost a lot of money. People are going to lose their deals People are going to get dropped from projects There, you know, like, there are negative ramifications as well. So I hope that if we do have to strike that, you know, we we get enough to make it worth it.
0: Do you have any last advice for people that want to join this shitty, insane business?
1: Oh, like, even boy. if it's like, yo,
0: your first day in the writer's room, don't make fish in the kitchen in the microwave. Like, whatever, <laughs> whatever it is.
1: Uh, I would say... You need to have some sort of, like, blind confidence or something. Like, that, I think, is, like, like, I don't think I would start this business. I I wouldn't start today knowing what I know. You know what I mean? You almost have to be, like, naively confident that you can do it. Yeah,
0: like delusional with rose-colored glasses.
1: Yes. And, like, try and keep those glasses on for as long as possible. You know, mine are off. Um. But, like, I think that is and, – and just to try and keep, you know, a sunny disposition and find the humor in everything. I know. I mean, that's the one thing I would say, like, when I was living in New York and I was doing all those music videos and it was, like, the very cool scene in, like, 2003 on the Lower East Side and, like, you know, everyone was, like, you know, you know meet me in the bathroom. I don't yeah. know if you saw that. But I will Reddit. say the thing that I – always felt about it and and like and I was in it but like it felt humorless to me like everything was just like about being cool and like being cool is like so fucking lame Mm -hmm. and like it's so much more fun to be with funny people and to find the humor and everything so like even when it's dire like it feels now at least it's dire with like a bunch of fucking funny people Yeah, and like where else are you gonna find that you know, what other industry? I mean, it's bad everywhere. My friend who works at Lyft got laid off today. Like, tech is going through this. Like, but at least, like, we can, like, have a laugh about it on a podcast. Whereas, yeah. like, what is she going to do? Talk to some fucking Was she asshole. a Lyft driver? Like, or a...
0: <laughs> no, no.
1: She, she's, like, high up.
0: Okay, okay.
1: That like, would probably be more fun.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, look, I, 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 a, I appreciate you coming to Laurel Canyon and doing this with me. But I also truly, like, from the bottom of my heart, like, when I was a fucking nobody for you to let me not even nobody. Like I know we're friends, but like for you to take time out of what you were doing to like go through packets with me and like email people and try and get me jobs.
1: Yeah. Hard money. Baby. Yeah.
0: We're going to revisit this Nikki in a year. Yeah. And we're going to find out a, if you're, if you're back, we're both back gainfully employed in writing. If there is a Hollywood, uh, a writing industry. And if uh, I'm still being a copywriter and you're uh, lending money.
1: Okay. So Within, st- in breaking knees, <laughs> yes. you know, if you don't pay, that's the good part.
0: Stick around. There are
1: consequences. Stick around.
0: Thanks, Nikki.